my crown and joy is the new birth. I'm a new person. I know that I was once like this, and now I'm like that in an instant. Even the, the sky looked different, the trees looked different, the flowers, the birds, everything was different because I was different. So what I like to say to non-Christians when I witness to them is this can be your personal miracle. Hmm. You don't want to see you don't want to see visions and hear voices because you could be sent to a mental home if you start being visions and hear voices. But if God makes you a brand new person on the inside, instead of having eyes full of adultery, drinking and liquid like water and loving darkness rather than light, you hunger and thirst for righteousness. That'll be your personal miracle. Mm. And I shake my head at how new I am in Christ. And the other thing that the new birth explodes my respect for the Bible because the Bible told me what had happened to me. I open its pages. This 2,000-year-old book, New Testament, tells me, if any man be in Christ, you're a new creature. Oh, that's why I feel like a new person. Uh, I've got this weird peace that passes my understanding. Oh, peace of God will pass all understanding. I've got this joy that's unspeakable. I can't express what it is. You know, joy unspeakable. So the scriptures just explained to me in plain language what the experience was that I'd been through. That's the new birth. uh, And that's how we know we pass from death to life. I think it's a rare occurrence that we begin this podcast and my heart is overflowing with bitterness <laughs> as it is at this moment in connection with the one who made the noise you just heard. <laughs> Oscar Navarro. <clears throat> he tells the most beautiful jokes before we go live after <laughs> we tell him, save it. It's really annoying. Ah, uh, that was a good one, Oscar, you told before mm. we came on. Thank you. I forgot it already. Yeah. Well, we can't say it because it's already lost its Speaking yeah, of power jokes, and impact. Um, I was very moved by the cards you just gave me this morning from your kids thanking me for something. Very moving. And it reminded me of a video that Mark sent me about how long you're supposed to keep cards that people gave you. Have you seen that? <laughs> yeah. You know what I do now? Ah, oh, thank you, Lord, for cell phones. I take a picture of the front of the card and the inside. And then you delete it. <laughs> <laughs> but the, Wait, you, see, you throw the card away? Well, I'm saying, look. Oh, you throw the card away? No, no, what? listen, listen. Why I you... keep the card sometimes for a while, but there comes a point where no. it, it, something happens. So you haven't seen this, you haven't seen this video? <laughs> what video? It's really, really good. It's, it's, it's about a, can, you, can you describe it, Mark, or not? Boy, I can't, you can't do it he's, justice. He just, he just goes, this guy says, so should I keep this card you just gave me or not? He says, I don't care if you keep it or not. It's okay, because I was going to throw it away. You were going to what? So I just put it in the trash bin there. You're going to put it in the trash bin? I just gave you a card. It means nothing to you. He goes on and on. And it really is a dilemma. My wife, Sue, has got every card given to us stacked up. We've got a whole room full of them. Uh, she keeps them? She keeps them. I don't want to throw them away because you just feel bad. I, someone gives me a nice card. I set it up. On, on a bench and look at it and look at it and look at it and think, well, that's about it. It can go in the trash. And I still feel guilty. <laughs> in my heart now. You still feel guilty putting a birthday card or a Christmas No, but card. that's the beauty of taking a picture of it. Seriously. I mean, and sometimes you know how it brings old memories back up, your photos, and, and you get to see it. And... So listen, you, you, gotta, you have to look it up. I don't know anything about this, what this guy does. His name is Devin Palmer. And on Instagram, that's where I found the video. And it's called Card keeping so you have to look it up obviously i have no idea what else he produces but that mm. video is that really clean funny. Yeah, yeah very clean oscar my bitterness has melted a bit now that i look at you and see you in your prison jacket <laughs> <laughs> it, gives, it gives me sympathy for they, you they let me out for this episode <laughs> but i have to go back right after bowling. <laughs> yeah bowling and prison jacket yeah, one yeah. or the other this What's is that? a k What's king's kaleidoscope rain jacket thank you very uh, much great ben i thought of a jacket that's really you know how people get lost in the mountains 
and they die of starvation because they've got nothing to eat, which right. is usually why you die of starvation. They've got, got fingers. They've no, got no, their... no, 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 no. This is much better. <laughs> um, I, I thought of inventing a beef jerky jacket. The whole jacket is made of beef jerky, <laughs> except one little problem. Bears? Bears. Yeah. yeah. Bears. <laughs> sniff you out jerky. and chase up a tree you want to eat your jacket. But imagine, seriously, you're getting hungry, you just eat a sleeve. Yeah. Eat a sleeve. <laughs> Speaking of eating things, what is up with those videos that have cakes that look like household objects. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and then they cut into them. I saw somebody the other day, they tricked their husband. They were like, hey, I got you a new pair of shoes. And he was all excited. He got a new pair of shoes. And he went to go put his foot in them. And it was a cake. Yeah. It's, was that real? I mean, yeah. It's a real cake that looks what? like a shoe. It, I can't believe how realistic these things look. You know, last night I was watching one. It had a, had a coffee maker, a ranch Ooh. dressing bottle, Yum. mayonnaise jar, and a vacuum cleaner. I mean, they're all guys cake. chomping on them, you no, know? Really? What about a shoe that looks like a cake or a cake that looks like a shoe? A cake shoe. Edible gospel yeah. track. Edible gospel track. Read this and <laughs> eat it within five minutes. Oh, yeah. We've talked about all kinds of gospel for your body tracks. and your soul. Mm. Yeah. Gospel tracks. What we, frisbee gospel tracks. My name is Alan. Uh, this TV show I really like. Oh, I'd love to find that guy again. We've got him. Oh, it's you mean worth a physically trip to Paris. find him? Yeah, yeah. Daniel, my son, filmed that. Yeah. In, in Paris. Was he just standing there? Was he like a statue? He was just statue? standing there like a dummy. Well, yeah. he was dressed like a statue, <laughs> like a dummy. But boy, he's he was... probably our most avid listener. He you was delightful. Dummy. <laughs> <laughs> he was just a delightful guy. We're going to show it uh, oh, wow. during our live, our live, oh, our yes. live stream. Can't wait for that. All right, friends. Here's a comment from, again, podcast at livingwaters.com. Send us awesome. your comments there. Don't forget it. There's no name to this one, Well, though. would you rather Oscar, have them send you. the comments there or post them in the midst of their review? Yeah, yeah it should yeah, be in the review. No, they do that, too, but also here. The two Look best later. things that you can do for the Living Waters podcast to support us is, first and foremost, subscribe to the podcast. That is uh, What's that do, tremendously helpful. Um, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, listen. It. We, uh, right now we are like top 100 most listened to podcasts in the United States. I think we're like top 40 or 50 in, in Europe right now. And uh, that doesn't boost our egos. That doesn't uh, bring us pride. What it does is it gets the gospel out there. If you're listening and you're an avid listener, you know that we, we care deeply about what God's word says. We hold it to a high regard. We care deeply about the lost. And so we try to saturate these conversations with the gospel. We often make calls of repentance in these episodes. That's with intentionality because we recognize that when you're a top trending podcast like ours, it's not just Christians that are listening to this. It's non-believers who are looking up these questions and finding this podcast and starting to listen to it. And so when you subscribe and you leave comments, it, it pushes the algorithm and allows us to be at the top when people search these things out. And yeah, so truly it's a, it's a big help when you guys do stuff Yeah, like we that. had an atheist uh, write in and say That's he's right. an atheist but loves listening to the podcast. So yeah, good point, Oscar. All right, this is from, I don't know name because you sent it to me and didn't put a name with it, Oscar. So hey guys, just wanted to say that I love the show. You guys really bring the knowledge of God to the table. I've been listening to Ray for quite a while now. I've got several of his books, The Way of the Master and The Way of the Master for Kids, How to Bring Your Kids to Christ and Keep Them There. And most importantly, the Evidence Study Bible. I don't have to promote anything today. Done. He did it all for me. I'm currently taking biblical studies online at Liberty University, and I was sitting here reading chapter three of Introducing Christian Doctrine for my theology class. I came across the word salvific, and it made me think of hearing it for the first time from Oscar on the show, which prompted me to send this email. 
Anyways, I love you guys, and I hope to meet you all in person sometime. Little did we know that salvific... Is there a word? Yeah, it would prompt an email <laughs> from someone. <laughs> Oscar made it up. Well, thank you so much, friend without a name. The Lord knows your name. It's written in his Lamb's Book of Life. But thanks for listening, and keep sharing, guys. Keep telling a friend about the podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Living Waters Podcast. You can't help yourself. Living Waters Podcast mug. Get it. Use it. Drink from it. And uh, so many lions, so few Daniels. Best book you ever wrote. Ray, since you're never writing another book again, Hmm. right? Hmm. You don't say, you don't say, you don't don't, don't say W-R-I-T-E after you say that statement, right? W-R-I-T, right, right, right. Yeah, so many lions, so few Daniels. What's that book about? Um, It was inspired by atheists, you know that? Hmm. Yeah, an atheist T-shirt about a year ago. I saw it on a line where it said, uh, "Too many Christians, not enough lions." Wow. And I remember thinking, "Yeah, that's culturally sensitive." It's like saying, "Too many Jews, not enough Nazi ovens." Too many mm. blacks, not enough lynching ropes. It's about that sensitive. So, that book was written out of a righteous indignation, uh, in the in the hope that God would use it to raise up laborers who will fearlessly and faithfully preach truths calculated to bring about a revival. Amen. Yeah, the subtitle is Living Without Compromise in a World in Need of Truth. Com. With? Promise. Promise. <laughs> Ooh, with promise. That's wow, amazing. I, I can't imagine what great honor was bestowed upon whoever you dedicated that oh, book I to. Oh, I dedicated I'm sure it to you, you, Oscar. You, oh, yeah. me? Yes. <laughs> please remove his name in the next print. Thank <laughs> you, please. <laughs> yes, friends, get it. So many lines, so few Daniels, living without compromise in a world in need of truth and the evidence study Bible. Ray, seriously, we mention this on every podcast. We do it because we know uh, how effective this tool is. But this was a massive labor of love for you. I, I honestly, I know, knowing how massive the, the volume of it is and how much is in there, I just can't believe you, you actually put this thing together. Yeah, neither can I. Um, credit goes to Lynn Copeland, my editor. I gave her a sow's ear, and she came mm. back with a silk purse. Yeah, the abomination She's, version. We well, that's that. how it started. This was different. Yeah. Abomination version was just something completely <laughs> stupid and insane. version. It was, oh. only the, was only the New Testament. Yeah. But I, and I also give credit to Bridge Logos and Guy Morrell, the editor, who said when I suggested it that we take all the notes from my original Bible, uh, he said, I, I asked around all my editor friends and publishers, and they said, don't do it. Mm. And a, a, a Bible about evangelism will not sell. And he said, Ray, that's why we must do it. Amen. And uh, he did. So I'm yeah. so grateful. Oh, so many around the world have been impacted through it. All right, friends, check it all out at livingwaters.com. All right, today we're talking about a topic that should be familiar to anyone who is a believer. Today we are talking about Nicodemus's encounter with Jesus and what it means to be born again. Mm. Good old Nick. And you guys Nick ruined my Nick title. At Nick at night. Yeah, that was hey. yeah, yeah. Ah, that was a title I came up with. Nick at night and a bunch of other good stuff that I can't remember. But yeah, Nicodemus and Jesus, this is in, uh, yeah, it's in the Word. and uh, <laughs> It's like that in the Word. You know, we, we see this encounter between Jesus and Nicodemus, John chapter 3. We don't see this in the synoptic Gospels, which would be Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which means to speak the same. But it's a unique, you know, account in the Gospel of John, and it's 
you know, it contains one of the most oft-quoted verses in the Bible, John 3.16, which we did a program on, as I talked about in one of the other podcasts. I've been delighted by how people have been delighted by it. But I want to focus in on on some of the, the highlights of that and talk more about, okay, what, what does it really mean to be born again? And what what was going on with Nicodemus here? He was he was you know one of the rulers of the Jews. And he was Irish. Irish. Nick Odemus. <laughs> Didn't you know that? What is it's it with the Irish and the, the O's tech. anyway? The son of O'Reilly. O'Malley. Son of. Does it really? Demus. Mm. Just yeah. O. Mm. His dad's name was uh, Demus. Oh yeah, Riley. Oh, son I of guess Riley. in Arabic Ben. Yeah, or in Hebrew Ben yeah, would be yeah. son of. Yeah. Oh Ben. Um, I love that we're doing this episode. You know. So many people want to know what it means to be born again. And I think to so many people, it might mean something it doesn't, the scriptures don't intend for it to mean. I mean, you just think about that phrase, born again. It's starting to kind of lose its trend or its luster. I think most people, when they think of Christians, they think of uh, maybe a, a more political infused word, which is evangelical nowadays. But in the 80s and 90s and early, even in the early 2000s, to be a Christian was to be a, you know, people would say, are you born again? Are you a born again Christian? And to some people in their minds, born again might, to the non-believer, it might mean somebody who had a down and out life, addiction, you know, had a lot of moral compromises. And to be born again is to be radically changed, radically shifted. That's what it means to be born again. Or to others, to be born again might mean they have politically conservative values on things like sexuality and, and spending and things of that nature. To them, that's what being born again means. But I think the fact that Jesus is having this conversation with Nicodemus that we're about to get into, first and foremost, before we even read the text, what do we know about Pharisees? What we know about Pharisees, it's the complete opposite of what what those first few examples of what born again could possibly mean. Because uh, Nicodemus being a Pharisee was not a was not a morally compromised person. He wasn't down and out. He wasn't, you know, a poor guy. He was a conservative person. He was a religious figure. He had political authority. He probably was well off financially because of the position that he held. He knew the Bible really well. Most likely he is a teacher, which means he had most, if not all of the Old Testament memorized. And so- well, Here's seriously? What? Yeah, you know that? No, I'm, I can't remember the books. <laughs> it was very common for the Pharisees <laughs> to be a part of their practice to memorize the Old Testament. Unbelievable. Which Paul would, that's, you know, why, one of the reasons why Paul knew the Old Testament so well and quoted it so often is because he committed it to memory. There were no chapters, was there? There was no chapters at that time. No, there were just different books. You'd easy told me, a young lady, he knew. Memorize Psalm 119, which blows me away when I read Psalm 119. No, which... no, the whole book of Psalms. The whole book of Psalms. Yeah, one of the Bible beat gals. Yeah. <laughs> Did it as a gift for her parents. Oh. I mean, imagine getting surprised with that. Hey, mom and dad. Wow. wow. Say, hey, mom what, and dad. What <laughs> Psalm do you start crying? Right. Yeah, say, hey, mom and dad, have you got, got four hours? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which brings up another realization too, which is that, that Nicodemus, this guy is a smart cookie. He's probably smarter than most people in this room, mm. except for Yale. <laughs> He's definitely smarter than all of us. 
you know, so so the point is to be born again in this situation has to mean something otherly. It can't just be somebody who's reformed their life, somebody who was down and out and needed Jesus. It's it means something else. And as we get into the text, I think we'll realize yeah. what exactly it means. Yeah. So let's let's jump into it. I'll I'll read the the main portion, uh, beginning in verse one of John three. Try not to mess it up. There was okay. there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things, these signs. Messed up. That you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So first thing we notice about Nick, as we alluded to earlier, Nick at night, he comes to Jesus at night. Ray, what's the significance of this? We love to give things away. We love to give things away. And that's why we will do that every single day here on the Living Waters Podcast. That's right, friends. We're giving away goodies for those of you who go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form. We are giving 10, believe it or not, 10 different people each week goodies from Living Waters, $100 value for each box. You'll get tracts and books and a podcast mug and all kinds of good things. So make sure to participate at livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. And make sure to listen to the very end of the podcast where you will hear the announcement of the winners every week. Perhaps he was having trouble with the fear of man. Perhaps he didn't want to be seen with this radical young preacher I uh, didn't want the reproach because remember, remember a lot of the people being put out of the synagogue by the Pharisees uh, because they, they listened to Jesus and he's going to actually have a personal chat with them. And if he was caught doing that, it would not be good for his reputation. So perhaps, perhaps it was, that was behind it. Yeah. John often uses, double or it was just nighttime. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, John often uses double meaning. And so this word night, it certainly can and likely means that it came in, in, in the cover of darkness in nighttime. And to your point, you know, many, many commentators point out that there is a, uh, a political infusion of why Nicodemus is approaching Jesus. He says, when he says to him, you know, we know that you are a teacher, he's kind of going, okay, okay, let's talk. Like you're, you're threatening our political and religious authority here. We need to have a conversation. How can we, how can we mutually benefit each other? And so, yeah, to your point, he's probably coming in darkness in night, but John also often uses double meanings in his words. And this night also, all throughout the rest of this letter that John wrote, it also means being spiritually blind, Mm -hmm. which means this rabbi, this teacher of the Old Testament is coming to Jesus in darkness. He is blind to the glory of God. And he's he's initiating a conversation in a state of spiritual blindness. Mm -hmm. Mark, isn't it interesting how Jesus would often answer people? 
I mean, like, what did what Jesus just say have to do with what Nicodemus just said to him? Mm. <laughs> you know, and we'll often see the, these responses. You know, someone will come to Jesus and just say, hey, you know, this, and he'll hit him with a question or he'll, he'll come out with something from left field. And so he says here to him, Jesus answered him and said, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Do you think this might have been in a way Jesus attempt to say to Nicodemus, hey, you're talking about me being a teacher and you're talking about God and coming from God and all that. You need to understand what the kingdom of God is really all about. Sure. You know, when Jesus says, uh, are you not the... He didn't cough. <laughs> he would not have when Jesus not, said... <clears throat> give me a Bible verse. <laughs> uh, are you not the teacher of the law and you do not know these things, right? Mm. Jesus would often correct the Pharisees in a way to put them in their place right? You should know these certain things. Who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come, John the Baptist said to the Pharisees. There are certain things that we should know that leaders should know. With times like this, J.C. Ryle, he said, unless a man is born again, he's going to wish one day he was never born at all. We often hear people say, we are all children of God, right? And we know that John 1.12 absolutely uh, squashes that. For as many as received him, he's given them the right or the power or the authority to become a child of God. We're not all children of God. In fact, I think it's in John chapter 8, I think here, John chapter 8-ish, where it says, you are of your father the devil. Is that yeah, right around verse 44-ish? Right. And that's a good clue that we're not all children of God. You know, we must be born again, which literally means born from above. We yeah. must be born from above. And I do love the way Jesus interacted with people. He rarely would answer a question in a very straightforward manner, because oftentimes when questions were asked, there there was hidden meaning Mm -hmm. attached to it. And having ears to hear, they could not hear. Having eyes to see, they could not see. So he would often speak in a parabolic form so that people would not understand and get on board. And we would see the apostles Uh, when they were alone with Jesus, and he would clearly explain things to them, and the apostles would say, well, now you're speaking plainly, you know, to us, and he says, well, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom, to know what is happening from above. But yeah, Jesus would rarely answer a question in a very straightforward manner, because he knew the heart of man, he knew what was happening. And so undoubtedly, Nicodemus coming to him by night, coming to him in a darkened state. You know, bear in mind, he's not seeking after God, for there's none who seek after God, no, not one. But him in a state where he is asking questions, you know, God is going to answer it in light of where it's going to be written mm-hmm. for us to know and to know who he is. Well, I love that you point out that he's, he's not, because I've, I've heard some people say, oh, you know, he's coming to Jesus and submitting to his teaching. And, and it, that's possible, but it, it kind of, the, the challenge with that is the way he approaches Jesus, to your point. He, he's not coming seeking after God. It, it does appear, and I think it's important for us to recognize what just happened, right? Because we should always read our Bible in context. What just happened? The cleansing of the temple. Yeah. And so what just happened was that Jesus put on display the backwardness, he challenges the political and religious authority of the Pharisees. He puts them on blast, as we say. Yeah. And so Nicodemus is approaching him in this light. And so he's trying to have a conversation about power and Jesus is not having it. Like in Nicodemus's mind, he isn't worried about salvation. He's religious about political power. Jesus wants to have a conversation about his soul 
right? And so this is why he shifts gears a little bit. This is why he focuses more on some Old Testament language that we can get into here. This, this is yeah. a really good point, right? I, my son, Nathaniel, and we've been having a lot of really good talks lately, and he was meditating through uh, Matthew chapter 26. And this is the part right where Jesus is about to be betrayed. It's the night before he's betrayed. And Jesus says, oh, one of you will betray me. And then one by one, we see the apostle saying, Lord, is it I? Mm. Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? But that's not what Judas asked. Mm. Judas asked it in a different way. We see in Matthew 26, verse 25, he says, then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? Hmm. The apostles in a place of an affectionate position and a relationship with Jesus, Lord, my master, is it I? To Judas saying, teacher, that's good. Is it I? That's really good. Language is important. And as we read the word of God, we must allow the word of God to go through us and take in the very simplest of writings that we are reading and not be so quick to go through the word, to meditate through it. Good. good. Yeah. So Ray, Nicodemus, it seems immediately went to the physical and we see that in different accounts in scripture. I mean, when Jesus was talking to the people about himself being the bread of life and, you know, and they just were like, hey, Lord, and he talked about the manna from heaven and, hey, give us this bread always, right? Because we won't yeah. hunger anymore. Give us it. Their minds were constantly going back to the physical. And well, this is because Jesus had just fed them, right? And he said, you, look, you didn't come, you didn't seek after me because of the signs, meaning understanding the significance of, of what was done, right. meaning understanding the significance of who I am, but it's because you ate and your bellies were filled, right? And you're going after the physical. So Nicodemus here, he, he drifts back toward the physical, and that, that's a byproduct of the carnal mind, right? Missing the significance of the spiritual. Absolutely. And in our carnal minds, as we listen to this podcast, as I sit here looking at you guys, but for the new birth, I'm listening to a gang member, an atheist, and a potential burglar. <laughs> that's a good point. That's right. Wait, a potential what? Burglar. burglar. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Mark was... Miller's outpost genes. Just before he got saved, he was planning a burglary, oh. probably at night. <laughs> but the Bible says, if any man being Christ, he's a new creation. We're made new. And this is my huge, I don't even know how to put it, my, my crown and joy is the new birth. I'm a new person. I know that I was once like this, and now I'm like that in an instant. Even the, the sky looked different, the trees looked different, the flowers, the birds, everything was different because I was different. So what I like to say to non-Christians when I witness to them is this can be your personal miracle. Hmm. You, don't want to see, you don't want to see visions and hear voices because you could be sent to a mental home if you start being visions and hear voices. But if God makes you a brand new person on the inside, instead of having eyes full of adultery, drinking and liquid like water and loving darkness rather than light, you hunger and thirst for righteousness. Wow. That'll be your personal miracle. Mm. And I shake my head at how new I am in Christ. And the other thing that the new birth explodes my respect for the Bible because the Bible told me what had happened to me. Amen. I open its pages. This 2,000-year-old book, New Testament, tells me, if any man be in Christ, you're a new creature. Oh, that's why I feel like a new person. Yeah. Uh, I've got this weird peace that passes my understanding. Oh, peace of God will mm. pass all understanding. I've got this joy that's unspeakable. Mm. I can't express what it is. You have joy unspeakable. So the scriptures 
just explain to me in plain language what the experience was that I'd been through. That's the new birth. Wow. And that's how we know we pass from death awesome. to life. Yeah. You know, identifying, I mean, as you're talking, Ray, my heart's just bubbling over. I identify with that. You know, it's interesting when there are certain things that, that are said that people are disconnected from. So a, a friend of mine, he's got this cryotherapy machine, I, I think I mentioned on another podcast, and he talk about it, talk about it. I just experienced it. And so when I hear it now, I identify, you know, and, and you can relate that to, to so many different things, bungee jumping or whatever, skydiving. So born again, we, we identify with that new birth. It's become a derogatory term. Oh, he's one of those born agains, you know? But when we hear it to us, that word, that word associates with transformation and life and revolution, because that's exactly what happened to me. August 15th, 1991, I stood there, I heard the gospel, I cried out in repentance and faith, and I was transformed. Mm -hmm. J.C. Ryle, he said, to be born again. Ah, that's my next quote. Oh, is it? Okay. No, 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 do you it. can do nope. it. You do it better than I do it. Nope. Seriously, to be born again, as it were, to enter. You read it, Mark. Nope. It's beautiful. It was exactly what I was saying. You want me to read it? <laughs> <laughs> J.C. Ryle says, to be born again, as it were, is to enter upon a new existence, is to have a new mind, a new heart, new views, new principles, new tastes, new affections, new likings, new dislikes, new fears, new joys, new sorrows, new love to things once hated, new, new hatred for things that once loved, new thoughts of God and ourselves and the world and the life that comes and salvation. Oh, that's it's just beautiful. Wow. That's exactly what I'm saying. Everything new. Behold, all things are become new. You know, there's one thing I don't particularly like is the phrase born again Christian, hmm. because that gives us the impression that you can be a Christian or you can, a special Christian. You're a born again Christian, right. but you can be a Christian and not be born again. Hmm. And that's not so. Oh, that's you become point. a Christian by being born again. It's superfluous. It's like saying, I am a medical doctor physician. <laughs> no, no, no. If you're a doctor, you're a medical doctor, you're a physician. Yeah. And if you're born again, you're a Christian. If you're not born again, you're not a Christian. Hmm. And so we don't want people to have the the thought, oh, you're a born again Christian, I'm the other sort, I'm the That's normal good. Christian. Yeah, and, and I want us to, to break it down and what exactly Jesus is talking about, but Ray, you, you will often ask people that question, especially if they tell you they're Catholic, have you been born again? Yeah. Are you surprised by how many say, I don't know what that is, or no? Or... Well, we've got a video coming up that we're very excited about. I can't remember what the title is. It's something like, Why Are So Many Catholics Coming to Christ? Or oh, something yeah. like that. Yeah, I'm excited we're about super that. We're super excited. One. A dozen of Christians, or sorry, a dozen Catholics who say they're Catholics, committed Catholics, but they're not born again, haven't got a clue what born again means. They don't even know why Jesus died on the cross. Wow. And I had one this morning. He says, I'm a Catholic. And I said, are you born again? Oh, yeah, I've been born, born again three or four times. And I, in other words, I've had a new attitude to mm. the things of God. And I said, I'm not talking about that. John chapter 3 says, if you're not born again, you're not going to enter heaven. Right. And so it's vital that you're born again. I want to see you in heaven. And the guy nods. And then we go through and talk about the, the right. gospel and the, the essential nature of being born of the Spirit. That's great. Oscar, you've been rudely interrupted many yeah, times. Yeah, no, it's okay. Um, I, you know... I, we've said it before on this podcast, so often the New Testament really comes into 4K HD clarity, the better we understand the Old Testament. Not just read the Old Testament, but understand the Old Testament. Because as we just talked about before, Nicodemus knew the Old Testament, hmm. but he didn't know the Old Testament. And what's interesting about this moment is that Jesus is quoting the Old Testament. He's specifically quoting Isaiah and Ezekiel. So what does it mean to be born again? Let's just 
look at the Old Testament and see what it means to be a born-again Christian. Isaiah 44, verses 3 and 4. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. The first thing that it means to be born again is to have the life-giving personal presence of God in our hearts. And so this is what Jesus is offering. He's going, in order for you to know, to see the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. You have to have my spirit poured out within you. The first thing that being born again is having the spirit of God within us, which we know that every Christian has within them the Holy Spirit as their guide. The second part that he's quoting is Ezekiel 30, uh, 36 verses 25 and 27. Let me just find it here. He says, I will also sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of place. He says, I'm going to clean you with this water. I'm going to give you a new spirit within you. And it's going to be my spirit. In other words, the other thing that being born again means is you are cleansed. You are being cleansed from your sins. And this is a radical thing, again, for a Pharisee to hear who apparently obeys all of the laws, right? And it's interesting that that uh, Nicodemus's response to being born again is, uh, he's not being dumb. He's not like some, you know, senile fool. It's like, is he talking about being born in my mother's womb again? He's likely using sarcasm. But the essence of what he's saying is, what can I do? Yeah. What is there for me to do to be born again, and and in God's in Jesus's response, it's like this is this is the work of the Spirit. I will do the borning againing in your life. I will be <laughs> the one that's going to be pouring the Spirit into you. I will be the one that's going to be cleansing you. This isn't something that you have. You've done enough, Nicodemus. Hmm. You have done enough. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And and you know, look, sometimes people will use this as a proof text for baptism baptismal regeneration. Yeah. And they'll look and they'll say, hey, no, look, you know, this is talking about uh, being baptized. You have to be baptized. You have to be born of the water. Right. Uh, but but there's, there's a misunderstanding on that, isn't there? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, again, if you're reading the New Testament and you're not thinking about what Jesus is referencing here, again, looking at Ezekiel and Isaiah, that is the way we, we, we have a better clarity of this. Because when you look at Ezekiel and Isaiah, it is clearly him and his spirit that's being poured out. This isn't about, uh, there's not some magical power within water, rather it's, it's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Yeah, and I love what John Bunyan said. He said, in, in one of the streets of Bedford, I came to where there were three or four poor women sitting at a door in the sun and talking about the things of God. Willing to listen, I drew near to hear what they said, for I was a brisk talker myself in matters of religion. But I have to say that I heard, but I didn't understand, for they were far above, out of my reach. They spoke of a new birth, the work of God in their hearts. They said how God had visited their souls with his love in the Lord Jesus and with what words and promises they had been refreshed, comforted, and supported against the temptations of the devil. And it seemed to me they spoke as if joy did make them speak. They spoke with such pleasantness of biblical language and with such obvious grace in all they said that they were to me as if they had found a new world. Wow. Whew. 
right? You guys are late. Yes. Yeah, and, and listen, and, and once you are born again, born from above, once you are saved, God wants you to know it. He yeah. wants you to know that you're saved, mm. that there is no ambiguity, that there is no questioning, that there's no wondering or worrying. First uh, John 5.13, it says, these things we write unto you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have everlasting life. And then we have Romans 10.9, I believe it is, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Right, so there's no. Am I now saved? Have I messed up? Am I going to mess up? What What is happening inside my life? No, God wants you to know that once you're saved, you are saved, mm. and nothing, no one can snatch you out of His hands if you are truly saved. Wow. And that's the question. You yeah. brought up something that reminded me of a comment I read on a YouTube channel. I, someone saw a video, and they heard me say, "If you have repented and you're trusting in Jesus today." you've got everlasting life. They said, you said, if you sowed seeds of doubt in that person. Wow. And my whole point, as I said back to him, is it's not my job to tell someone you're saved. Yeah. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's right. He that believes has the witness in yourself. That's, That's what right. you were saying. God tells you. And if God tells you you're saved, you have that conviction. Because of that, then nothing will, nothing will take That's that. That's right. And that's that what Romans 8 tells us. You know, my spirit bears witness with his spirit that I am a child of God. Yeah. You know, just what we're talking about, being a new creature in Christ, something I forgot to mention, is that before I was a Christian for 22 years, I didn't have an ounce in me that said, what does God want me to do? Mm -hmm. wow. The moment I became a Christian, that consumed me. Whatever God wanted, I was his. Yeah, I, what, what do you want, Lord? Same as Saul on the road to Damascus. If, any, if, this, if anyone pulls back the skies and speaks to you from heaven, it's a good, good idea to call them Lord. <laughs> Who is it, Lord? Good indicator. <laughs> Who is it, Lord? And then what would you have me to do? Oh, I love that. And, you know, you, you think about the dynamic of what happens when you become born again. God inhabits you. Our pastor often shares this quote, you know, back before the new covenant, God had a temple for his people. Now he has his people as his temple. Yes. Wow. And he inhabits us. We are the habitation of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God enters us. He awakens us. He gives us new life, regenerates our spirit, and dwells us with his Holy Spirit, and gives us new desires and gives us new conviction, gives us, I think, one of the most valuable things, Ray, a new conscience. Yeah, that's true. A tender conscience. Primed. Right? The things that never bothered you before, now your conscience screams at you. Yes. Yeah, and absolutely. Just thinking, we have a huge problem if there's unsaved people listening. The Bible says your understanding is darkened. You're alienated from the life of God through the ignorance in you because of the blindness of your heart. So our problem is to try and to relate to you spiritual truth when you're still in the natural world. I'm going to ask you guys a question, see how quickly you can answer. Easy? It. Yeah. I'm blind, born blind, describe blue to me, go. <laughs> That's <laughs> impossible. Yeah, it's impossible. You cannot do it. Yeah. I need light. If I've been born blind, I, I, I've, had, I've been asking on camera and people have been trying to do it. They say, it's a, it's like ice. It's a cool color. And I said, that doesn't help me. I'm blind. I don't even know what ice you know, looks like. And so that's, that's the problem we've got, relating spiritual truth to someone whose understanding is dark and alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that's in them because of the blindness of the heart. You need to repent, put your faith in Jesus, and you'll be like the blind man that Jesus healed. Whether or not he's a sinner, I know not. One thing I do know is once blind, but now I see. Mm. Amen. Amen. And the fact that 
you know, God does the work is what gives us peace that it's not something that can be undone. Mm. You know, if it's something that's attained progressively by our own efforts, we have a lot to fear and, and be terrified by because, oh, have I now gotten to the place where I'm completed and being born again? No, it's a monergistic work where God does it. Monergistic. Yeah, it's it's singular. It's, it's singular. It's not you know synergistic where we're we're the ones that are you know contributing to our salvation. God does it. They weren't born of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. Mm. He quickens us. He causes us to be born again by His grace. And so it's it's something that should give us peace and confidence. No, Lord, you did this. You don't do things on accident. You don't do things halfway. And you always complete the things that you begin to do. He that began a good work and you will complete it. Yeah, amen. amen. I mean, that that thrills my soul beyond description. And uh, William Farley said mean? this. What was that? Want what do you mean, beyond, des- <laughs> beyond description? What <laughs> do you more, mean by More than I describe can. <laughs> New birth, William Farley said, means one has enthroned Christ in the center of one's life. You become a Christian when your life, thinking, and behavior begin to revolve around Jesus Christ. Until that happens, professions and decisions mean very little. Changed behavior, processing from a spiritual heart transplant is the only certain evidence of new birth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's something that ends up manifesting itself in a changed life. Okay, can we pivot for just a moment and have some application? Yeah. And what I mean by that is once somebody is born again, what's next? What is the proper response from somebody who was in darkness, a child of darkness, loved darkness, and now is a child of the light? Where do they go from here? I'd like to maybe maybe just a minute or two to discuss a couple of those things. First and foremost, you need to start reading God's Word, right? Because God's yeah. Word is His love letter, His architectural blue book for our everyday living on how to respond. And you're going to experience things, as Ray said, things that are going to now come alive, or you're going to now hate the things you once loved and love the things you once hated. So you need to find a good church. Where would you go to find a good church? If you're nowhere near, you don't have any Christian friends, how do you find a good church in your area? Where do you go? Uh, you ask God to lead you. Yeah, the, does, ni- the Nine Marks website is a good tool. You can go on there and type in your zip code, and it'll give you mm. it'll give you churches. Uh, also, feel free to move to Rancho Santa Margarita, California, and attend King's Cross Church. <laughs> <laughs> Oscar's Church. Where everyone wears yeah. green prison jackets. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I believe the Master's uh, University as well has a, on their website lists of churches that have sent out, uh, have pastors that have been sent out yeah. from, from there. Grace churches. Yeah. And Grace what are you churches. looking for in a church? If you're going to, you go, hey, here's a church on my corner. Why don't I just attend that church? What am I looking for in a church? It's a good question. Uh, I would say um, it preaches the word of God clearly and faithfully every single Sunday, has gospel community, meaning that uh, the, the expectation is not that you just show up on Sunday for 45 minutes and then leave. You don't see, talk, or spend any time with anybody ever after that, because the church is ultimately not a, an experience. It's not a program. It's not something that you go and attend. The church is the body, the family, and it functions more than just 45 minutes to an hour and a half on Sunday. It functions 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So gathering regularly is not once a week. Anything else? Yeah. I, there's plenty more. I just want to pass it along. Christ, yeah, I mean, Christ a, a church that is Christocentric, that is uh, gospel-focused, evangelistic, evangelistic leadership that is humble and accountable. Mm. 
accountable leadership. You know, I mean, we've heard the nightmare stories of churches where you have the celebrity pastor that has zero accountability and it's, it's almost inevitable there's going to be either uh, abuse or, uh, or, you know, sexual sin. You you know, you want to become accountable as quickly as possible and plugged in to Oscar's point because bad company corrupts good character. It very well may be that you need to remove certain people out of your lives that all they want to do is fill in the blank and maybe draw you away or push you further away from Christ. So mentorship you know, approach a pastor, a leader. Are there classes that I can take? Are there things that I can learn, perhaps? You want to get baptized? Right, mm. we're commanded to be baptized. Mm. And I want to commend to you a little booklet that Ray wrote called Save Yourself Some Pain. And you can read it in its entirety on our website at livingwaters.com. And you can also get those as printable booklets that we have printed, and you can hand those out to uh, different people. You want to tell other people what they've done. That's evangelistic evangelism. So what do you do now? These are the things that you do now that you claim the name of Christ because you are not designed to live a life in the shadows where nobody knows what is going on. Yeah. And ultimately, the evidence of you having been born again, having been regenerated, having received a new birth, is that you're going to bear fruit. You know, the way I think of John the Baptist when he was speaking to the religious hypocrites that came, he says, you know, who, who warned you to flee from the wrath yeah. to come? You know, bring forth fruit in keeping with repentance. Snakes, and, generation of vipers. He wasn't exactly building up his congregation yeah. with compliments. It's yeah. funny that you mentioned snakes. Mm. <laughs> snakes? Yeah, absolutely. It's funny that you mentioned snakes because here in this passage, I know we talked about this slightly on our episode yeah. on John 3.16, which feel free to listen to that one as sort of a, a, a partner with this episode. But Jesus gets into this really weird story about snakes. And so you ask, what can we do? And I, I love all the practical counsel and wisdom that we're getting, but ultimately we can't lose focus on what has already been done. Before we talk about what we need to do, we need to talk about what has been done. And this story of snakes gives a prime example. Jesus references snakes here in John 2. Let me pull it up real quick here. He says, oh, it's John 3, sorry. Well, you know what? I'm not going to find it. I'm just going to tell you about it. I was trying to give you hissing noises. Thank you. To- <laughs> uh, he, he points Nicodemus to this weird, obscure story. Uh, I believe it's in Numbers about mm-hmm. snakes. And so basically what's happening is that the wrath of God comes upon the people. They've disobeyed him. They've turned to false idols. And the curse is that all of these snakes come into their camp and they start getting bitten by them. And the people are getting sick, sickened to death. And some of them are even dying. And they go to Moses, who's the priest, the one that stands between God and man at the time. And they say, you know, Moses, we, we need to repent. Like, what can we do? Can you please plead to God to remove this curse from us? And God tells Moses that he will do it. But what he needs to do is take a snake, a bronze serpent, put it on the pole. And whenever somebody is bitten, whenever someone is cursed by the curse, all they have to do is look at the curse. Look and they will be healed. And so this is what Moses does. And this is how people are healed. And to this day, that is how we become born again is to look to Christ. We don't need a teacher. Nicodemus thought he needed a teacher. We need a savior. Mm. We are sick. We are cursed. We are dying. And there is no amount of work that we can ever do to change the fruit of our lives. We are trees producing nothing. You can't staple fruit to a tree. There's no amount of watering that you can do. There's no change of soil. If a tree is dead, it is dead and it's not going to produce fruit. What does it need? It needs to be ripped out root 
and all, and it needs to be replaced with something that will produce fruit. And that is exactly what needs to happen with our hearts. It needs to be ripped out and it needs to be replaced for a heart that is softened towards the glory of God. And so what we need is not reformation, but spiritual transformation. And the only way to do that is to look is to look at Jesus, to see the one who had no sin become sin, to see that the curse that we deserve is placed upon the God who did not deserve that curse. Once we see that, once we truly know that, our eyes will be opened, our hearts will be softened, and by the grace of God, Mm. we will be born again. Amen. Look unto him and be saved. And, you know, we have to remember that there will be, again, that demonstration of the power of God in you. You cannot house the infinite God of the universe and not know it and others not know it. And I want to close with this quote by A.W. Pink. He said, the new birth is very much more than simply shedding a few tears due to a temporary remorse over sin. It is far more than changing our course of life, the leaving off of bad habits and the substituting of good ones. It is something different from the mere cherishing and practicing of noble ideals. It goes infinitely deeper than coming forward to take some popular evangelist by the hand, signing a pledge card or joining a church. The new birth is no mere turning over a new leaf, but is the inception and reception of a new life. It is no mere reformation, but a complete transformation. In short, the new birth is a miracle, the result of the supernatural operation of God. It is radical, revolutionary, lasting. It's not the turning over of a new leaf. It's a brand new tree. Amen. Well said, Ray. Good way to close us out. Well, friends, we hope you take heed to what you've heard today. Don't forget, again, to check out So Many Lions, So Few Daniels. That's going to stir you up to live out the born-again life. Don't forget the Living Waters mug and the Evidence Study Bible. You can find them all at livingwaters.com. Remember to give us comments and suggestions at podcast.livingwaters.com. Give us ratings. And as Oscar said at the beginning, make sure to subscribe. All right, friends, thank you for joining us. We'll see you here next time on the Living Waters. All together now, podcast. Podcast. (laughs) That was lame. (laughs) Oh, where we have no idea what we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) We have no idea what we're saying. Winners, winners, winners. That's you, friends. Those of you who I'm about to announce are the winners of this week's podcast giveaway on the Living Waters podcast. We've got Carlos from Lamont, California, Daniel from Jamestown, North Carolina, Ed Washburn from Tennessee, David Norwood from North Carolina, Doug Campobello from South Carolina, Ali from Falls Church, Virginia, Adrian from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Joshua from Excelsior Springs, Missouri, Eva from Bow Island, Canada, and Penelope from Bardwell Park, Australia. Shout out to the Aussies and the Canadians out there. Friends, you can get this too, those of you who are listening. Just share the word and sign up for the Living Waters Podcast.